still got one man up and Jonathan Joseph comes straight through the middle. Got Mike Brown to beat as the last line of defence and here goes Joseph. Joseph's going to get over. Watson goes on the outside. Oh, Watson goes Hello and welcome to the Bath Rugby Plug, the rugby podcast by the fans for the fans, plugging the boys in blue, black and white. My name is Gable and returning to the podcast this week is my good friend and fellow Bath fan, Tom. Yeah, no Max Ajoma, no Andrew this week. Back to Tom. Tom, it's very nice to see you. Um, It's been a few weeks now. How are you? I'm very, very good, mate. It's uh, yeah, I've had a, had a nice few weeks off. Very much enjoyed listening to the the, the podcasts in in the meantime. You know, we can we can get into it, but I I feel like I feel like I've I've missed a lot. Two big Premiership wins for the the blue, black, and white, and maybe the the worm has turned for for this season. I've clearly been a bad omen for the for the podcast and for the club for for the whole season. And two exemplary podcasting performances by by Max and Andrew, as you said. So. Had a great time away, and I'm but I'm I'm back and I'm back and rowing to go. And to be honest, G, I'm glad you I'm glad you're having me back. Yeah, wow, yeah. Max Clark feels glad to be getting back into the bar team. You must feel glad to be um, getting back into to the podcast seat ahead of Max Ajoma. Well, not 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 to bring up not to bring up Pat Lamb this early in the podcast or at all, to be honest. But I I wouldn't blame you if if like him you had. Max and Andrew on sort of a, a Nathan Hughes style callback provision. Should my should my podcasting performance not quite not quite be up to scratch, or if we if we start on a, on a bit of a losing streak again? Because I feel I thought they both they both stepped in and did did great great jobs. I saw Max on on Saturday actually, just you know get that one in early after the after the sale game, and he he said he'd be very keen to to come back on. So. I think you you've, you've got some options, G. Certainly, if I if I decide to go swanning swanning away on on holiday again, yeah. And part of your trip away, Tom, was um, and kind of true to form with not being a very good omen was being in Paris to watch England's final Six Nations defeat. Before we get into the Bath game and all of the news that we've got to touch on, kind of maybe a comment on on that game and and your thoughts on England's Six Nations performance as a whole. Yeah, had a great weekend away away in Paris. Actually, it was the, yeah the first time I'd I'd been to the to the Stade de France, and it was it really was some atmosphere. They they certainly know how to to rile themselves up. The, the French fans, I think there was about seventy five thousand people packed into the stadium. An evening game, obviously, to to round off Super Saturday, and the atmosphere in the in the build up to that game was 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 a real frenzy. And, and to be honest, I I went into it without much hope. Um, I'm getting used to saying that this season, but I went into it without expectation. I fully expected France to to, to get the job done, to get the get the the Grand Slam. So I was able to I was able to enjoy the spectacle. I thought our two boys, Will Stewart and and the returning Sam Underhill, had had very strong games. France definitely deserved the the Grand Slam. Fair play to them. More generally, I think it was, you know, we finished third ultimately in the in 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 the in the tournament. I mean, results results went our way. The one that really really wrangles is the Scotland result because I feel like that's a team that we 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 should be beating. You know, France and Ireland I think uh, are in, both in a rich vein of form, and I think we are with the injuries that we've we've got and also some of the strange selection decisions that that were made. I think we were well beaten by those two sides. But a loss to Scotland is always is always disappointing, and we've certainly got a lot of a lot of work to do to to build up in the next sixteen seventeen months before the World Cup. 
Yeah, I'm not sure I'm quite as negative as a lot of England fans. That may come as no surprise to people that listen to the podcast regularly. But yeah, I think that Scotland game, we were kind of caught a little bit cold, but we should have absolutely won that. And I think we're probably the second, maybe third best team in the Six Nations. And I think that was borne out throughout the tournament. You know, I think we're better than Scotland and Wales and obviously better than Italy. And I think we're kind of close close with Ireland. And, and I think going down to 14 men, the way that we did against Ireland massively hindered us in that last 15 minutes when we were completely out on our feet. None of the Six Nations sides are, are getting close to France at the moment and, and that would probably be the way it goes in the World Cup. But yeah, I, th- I thought there were some 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 good performances and, and, and given kind of the influential players that, that we've got out and, and will be returning, I don't think it was quite as bad as, as it's being made out. You know, I'm seeing the RFU having to come up with statements to say how disappointed they are with the, the Six Nations performance. And yeah, I really don't think it was... Was as, as kind of didn't warrant that it wasn't that bad. Yeah, I think um, having the third place does save us a little bit, and it was it was very much enjoyed the Italian win against against Wales and and Josh Adams having to having to take the the man of the match award as as Joe Launch we had to do after that World Cup loss. I think there, there were some strange selections by Eddie Jones. I think moving. Freddie Stewart to the wing position that he's he's not really played and in, in making a couple of major defensive errors out there. George Furbank coming back and being completely, completely anonymous. Ben Young's coming back into the side for again for for no particular reason. But I agree with you. I'm not I'm not too pessimistic. I think with the right guys coming back into the the side. So for me, Billy Brunapola, Manny Tuolangi, if he can ever get fit. Obviously Max Ajoma, if if not in that in that 12 shirt, and also guys like Anthony Watson. Joe Fokinasiga, obviously list, listing the Bath guys here, but I think we're we're missing we're missing a, a number of influential players, big names in that side, and I think we'd look a very different outfit for those guys coming back. Yeah, we've got an uh, agenda. You mentioned the the red card in the the Ireland game, and obviously, you know, Bath Bath captain Charlie Yules and, and Bath rugby making making headlines for the for the wrong reasons, and it's it's not the first time, G, and obviously he'll be as he'll be as disappointed as as anyone, particularly to, to give away the red card in, what was it, the, the second minute or something, makes it so tough for a, for, for a team to do the whole game, 14 men. But disappointing for, for Charlie Yules and for, for Bath fans, but he can, have, he can have no complaints. And ultimately, I would say that the technique there, he needs to have a look at that and improve. Because as I say, he's, he's been guilty of, of hitting high on a few occasions over the last couple of years. Yeah, we've got an agenda as long as our arm, Tom. So um, as much as I could talk Six Nations and Charlie Yules with you all, all evening, um, we really should crack on with the, the job at hand here, and that's talking all things blue, black and white. Before we do get into it, obviously it's been a couple of weeks since the podcast. We've got any listeners, or if you don't know where to find us on socials, at Bath Rugby Plug, please do hit subscribe. So when we do release podcasts, they'll just come straight to your device. But yeah, let's, Tom, before we get... Well, I just want to say one thing. I, I can't not say this before we move on to the, the the most recent game against Sale. But I was out in the. I was lucky enough to be out in the Caribbean for for, for a couple of weeks, watching an equally tepid England performance. But this time, this time in in in, in the cricket. And thanks to the new Premiership Rugby TV, I was able to stream the 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 brilliant comeback against local rivals Bristol. And I just want to say that was that was so so sweet. And I know that you and you and Andrew enjoyed that so much, as did everyone who who was at the the wreck that that day. But I just need to to get my my two cents in to overcome 
21 point deficit to score in the last minute as we did to 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 rattle the Bristol feathers to to take advantage of 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 that red card and it looked like a fantastic atmosphere at the wreck and though I was on you know I was enjoying myself in in the sun in the Caribbean there was there was nowhere I'd I'd rather be at the wreck <laughs> that day yeah it was fantastic and that premiership rugby tv is is a really good addition and and kind of when your team is struggling as Bath have done a lot this season and they're not on BT Sport they're not the selected games then it does allow you to to not have to download viruses to to your computer and actually watch it in a in a, in a in I don't know I don't know what you mean what do you mean <laughs> I don't know what I mean <laughs> um, yeah but Tom let let's get into to all things blue black and white and we are going to come on to the sale game obviously the twenty four points all draw. On Saturday. Before, after we do that, we'll then hit all of the news that we've missed: new attack coach, new signings, players coming and going. Before looking back on the massive Premiership Rugby Cup defeat, and then look ahead to two games that we've got to preview this week, Tom. So loads and loads to get to. Um, but your sporting um, séjour took you to the wreck on Saturday. The sun seemed to be following everywhere you go and, and looked like I was unfortunately not able to make it, but looked like a fantastic day at the wreck um, and a fantastic atmosphere for the game. Yeah, it, it really was. You know, there's there's nowhere quite like the wreck on a on a sunny Saturday. The city kind of teeming with with blue, black, and white shirts before the game. The pubs spilling out into the into the into the streets and into the city, and it was it, it was brilliant. I was there with um, my my young godson, who's only, only only eleven years old. It's one of his kind of first games at the wreck, and I think he was. He was speechless, really, about what a what a fantastic atmosphere it was. What a what a true rugby city is. It's the it's the best place in the world to watch rugby when it's when it's on a on a day like that. And I think there was a bit of a bit of an atmosphere, a bit of a bit of an expectation, you know, from from the fans that were there. We're making some, I think, fairly significant improvements over the last the last few months, and we're starting to get much more on even parity with with these teams that over the last few months have have put us to the sword fairly fairly comfortably. So yeah, fantastic atmosphere at the wreck. All the players hanging around after the game and, and soaking the in as well, speaking to fans. It was a yeah, it was, it was a great day to be a to, to, to be a to be a bar fan and a very exciting, very exciting 80 minutes as well, Jim. Yeah, an exciting an exciting 80 minutes and 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 kind of despite what I thought was a relatively slow start, sale obviously the team to get the first try. Um, through the fullback under the post and, and Nathan Hughes having a yellow card for for a high shot. I think after we kind of got over that early storm, we really did play some great stuff. And I think there was kind of 20, 25 minutes in that first half where we scored three tries, two of them through Underhill, one through Tom de Glanville. And I thought we played some absolutely fantastic rugby, you know. I thought we made the most of the conditions and were able to move the ball around really nicely. And I thought some of the running from from the backs and, and in particular a couple of the forwards, Josh Bayliss and, and Ewan Richards, I thought was absolutely outstanding. And and yeah, I think that rugby was 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 some of the most exciting we've played all season, kind of really, really kind of taking sail on out wide and, and and trying to score tries, which which at times we haven't seen us really do. Yeah, you know, um, I don't know if this was on the the podcast previously or if, if if I'd heard this, but Josh Bayless is one of the one of the quickest men in the in the Bath squad when they when they go and do their sprints, and he's 
he's shown it on a number of occasions. I mean, the the last try of last season against Northampton Saints, mm. more recently beating uh, our old friend Freddie Burns in a in a phone box at, at the wreck on the left wing. And then I agree, showed a couple of a couple of really nice glimpses. You know, just just to give my thoughts on that first half. So first kind of few minutes mired with ill discipline, as you say, countless penalties we're giving away, letting Sale get into good positions to to attack. We thought from the 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 vantage point that we had, G, in the in the Thatcher stand, where you can't really see the the much publicised big screen. We thought potentially it could be an early a uh, Charlie Yule's replica red card in the the early part of the game for for Nathan Hughes. Luckily, obviously the the height of the the ball carrier dropped, and I think when Hughes came back on from that ten minute sim bin, we kind of not necessarily because he came back on, but we we galvanised a bit. He he started carrying hard. I thought him and Sam Underhill were were really really strong in the carry. Obviously Underhill got those those two tries and looks to be getting back to his kind of marauding form. So I agree with you. I think it was some of the the best rugby we've we played this season in parts. I think the kicking game was also very strong, particularly from from Ben Spencer the, at the base as ever to put us in to put us in good positions. And then yeah, very clinical when we when when we got got close to the line. So. Half time, we were we we were very very happy. Twenty one seven at half time, Tom, as you say, and 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 it, you know, watched the game back this evening, and hugely frustratingly, that game just felt like it was there for the taking. Just you know, the way we played leading up to half time, scoring the Glamble just on half time, and then coming out of the blocks really well in that second half, and I just felt like Sale were on the ropes there, and we just needed to land a, a, a knockout blow to to kind of sink them, and 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 I think that knockout blow could have come in in what would have been Underhill's hat trick try, a one two down the left hand side with you and Richards, and it just wasn't able to to gather it, you know, in in similar fashion to. To, to the Bristol try that was disallowed, but we got the the penalty at the end in, in that comeback, also involving you and Richards in that same corner. And yeah, that felt like just such a key moment because I think at 28-7, that game is 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 almost done. And I think Sale were 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 were, were kind of as I say, on the ropes. And and yeah, I just think Bath unable to to land that blow, Tom, in that period. I, I think Looking back, that's a game we really should win, and and that's the moment there where just after half time we should score once, maybe twice more, get that bonus point, and then just put the game out of sight. That's the next step, as as you say. That was a that was a huge moment. Felt like that at the time, and then watching it back on on forty three minutes, it would have been. I think Tom Ellis was on on commentary and actually said that although it was obviously you know really wanting Bath to win that game. He wasn't quite sure that he'd been able to deal with Sam Underhill in training if he'd if he'd picked up a hat trick on his on his return. And it was it was so close. And it was such a well worked move again. I, I sort think, of identifying Sorry Tom, I think but I think what you're saying there, kind of Tom Ellis joking on comms that that he didn't really want Underhill to to score. I think that kind of sums it up that it felt inevitable Bath were going to score once and twice more. Just the way that we were playing, it almost felt inevitable that we were going to get more tries and we were going to put that game away and, and, and from to only score three points in that second half and, and that to come pretty late on in the second half, I think it's really poor. Like That's a game, and I know we're being more critical now than we were being earlier in the season, but that's a game that, that, that we should put away there. I think so. And I, we, I think when, when, when they look back at that, that game and obviously review it as they will, 
I think they'll they'll think that they were a little bit complacent in that second half. I think they thought, or oh, we've had an opportunity early in the second half. We're 14 points ahead. We're cruising here. We're playing really nice rugby. Conditions are great. We've got all the field position, got all the ball. And then we just turned a little bit soft. And to concede bang, bang, bang in, in the manner that we did, again, we've been so critical of the defence on this podcast over the season and I think whilst the defence is improving, the scramble defence, I think, was a bit better at, at times. We just seem to switch off and go on to autopilot for, for, for large patches of games. And those, those sale tries in, in response were, look, from, from where I was sitting, looked way too easy. Um, again, the, the rolling more, we had no, um, we were offering nothing in defence at all. We just let them, let them push us towards the line and then a couple of, a couple of pick and goes and it, it, they're, they're over the line. So, very disappointing to, to to let sail off the hook and to to, to let them get a couple of easy tries there because I completely agree with you. I think I think that there, that game was 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 there for for the taking and obviously that would have been the you know the all important fourth fourth try bonus point the the Sam Underhill try then which is obviously you know an, another point for the table. So yeah, I agree with you. I think they'll they'll see that as an opportunity missed. Mm. Ill discipline, wasn't it? For me, like that really started to creep into our game, and, and I know, you know, the more the more pressure the opposition put you under, the more likely you are to concede penalties. And and, and Sale were were able to kind of pin us down inside our twenty-two and and start to dominate the set piece and 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 the um and, and the forward battle. And I think that just contributed. And it was that kind of period for between like fifty and sixty minutes where, yeah, it would have been nice for us to to kind of once we'd conceded one soft try. Not then to score, not then to concede two more soft tries. It, it quite soon after, and I just think we we just let a fourteen point lead at half time go. What seemed like to be so easy through some decent sale play, but I don't think Sale will think they played that well. And I think we we massively let them let them back into it, as I say through through our through our real discipline and and just through just through individual errors as well. Like you you see there their third try to make it 21-17 and, and Cipriani has a free kick which he misses but he goes straight out on the full of and it's all the way back towards our 22. We somehow then managed to get get a line out on our five metre line and, and Dowerty with pretty much his first act overthrows it or Bayliss doesn't quite grab it and just like little individual errors and, and just like, you know, kind of a collective ill-discipline, I think just contributed to, to to what was a really disappointing quarter of an hour. Yeah, it's, it's, it's better, but there are still the same frailties that we, we saw earlier on in the season. And the scrum is is a big one for me. And no Ben Urbano, Will Stewart, I think, who dropped out late, didn't he? And, mm. and Darcy Bay came in to, to replace him. You know, Arthur Corwell had to go the full 80 minutes again, which is very difficult for a prop, let alone, you know, a relatively young guy who's who's inexperienced. So but 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 50% of 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 your own scrums is is simply not good enough. It's very hard to keep sustained pressure on a on a team when your set piece isn't 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 functioning in in that way. But I think maybe we're being a bit harsh. And um just looking at, at social media. And Rob Jones, who often gets in, in, in touch, actually, and I think often has a, has a good perspective. He says, compare where we were now to where we yeah. compare. Oh, I've forgotten how to read after. <laughs> compare where we are now to where we were before Christmas performance wise. It's like night and day. We're now going in a better direction. Cipriani has played well a few times. Richards is looking good. And some of the injured players are now back. 
and he adds, and Falatau nowhere to be seen. I think we can both agree, G, that performances have, incru- have improved um, quite quite significantly since, as, as Rob says, the, before Christmas. You mentioned that we're, we're, we're looking more dangerous out wide. We're starting to get, starting to look more cohesive in attack. Rob seems to credit that to Danny Cipriani. I'll be, he, he's now strung together three consecutive premiership games and played the full 80 minutes. I thought in parts he was quite impressive actually at, on, on Saturday. Are you gonna are you gonna have to, to row back on previous comments as you have done with, with Nathan Hughes? <laughs> I'm, I'm dying on the Nathan Hughes hill, mate. Don't, <laughs> don't you worry about that. I think, I think I think you're already dead on that hill, to be honest. <laughs> Uh, yeah, I, mean, I thought Cipriani was okay. Yeah, I thought he was okay against Bristol as well. I don't think he was fabulous. And I think the performances that Bailey was putting in prior to Cipriani coming back into the starting 15 are far superior to what Cipriani's putting in now. And, you know, a few of the team selection decisions, again, at the end of the season are, are absolutely baffling me. Um, yeah, to, 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 we'll come on to Max Clark, but to pick, to pick a, you know, a combination of Hughes, Cipriani and Clark... I, I just can't understand what, why that is positive, not only for the future, but I also think for, for, for the current bar team, I think we're a far better side with Bailey and Ajoma in that team. And and yeah, Cipriani, I think Cipriani looked better than he did at the start of the season when he was playing because frankly, at the start of the season, it was almost embarrassing some of the performances that he was putting in, but he's still not, to the level that Bailey was was playing, and, and yeah, I just can't quite understand why why they're continuing with that. Well, are you saying on the Clark point that Max should be playing? Yeah. Well, so he I, he wasn't he wasn't fit to play. He picked up a, a niggle just just in training, so so he couldn't play. So I think that's why that's, that's why Clark in the in the Premiership Cup. Uh, yeah, I mean. I, well, I, yeah, I'm not, I'm not sure. I mean, they obviously they obviously have to rotate. I think um, on 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 Cipriani. I think just because we've been critical of him in the past, I don't think it means that we you know we can obviously give him some credit now. And I I I'm not saying that I would I would uh, I would I would retain him for next season. I'm not saying that I would select him as a starting ten for for every game. Obviously, with a young guy like Bailey, he's not going to be starting every single Premiership game. Um, you know, wow. it's, it's very, it, it, take, it takes its toll on the body. I can I definitely see why they 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 rotate it, and I think we we should say that Cipriani has actually done himself a lot more justice than than he did at the start of the season. He had some, he had some nice touches on on Saturday. I was impressed. He's never going to be flying out the line and making big tackles. I think physically he looked like he was he was starting to struggle a bit towards the end. But he had some very nice very nice moments. He got the attack working. I thought out wide. The, the little break and then short ball to to, to Tom Vanbal for that try was was very well taken. Was kind of gave a glimpse of of Cipriani of old. So yeah, I think we should we should probably for the first time on on the podcast give him give him a little bit of credit because I think he I think he I think he, I think he had a good game, Jay. And you you are so you're so I don't even know what the word is, but you just will never change your mind or position at all. Just give him give the man give the man a little bit of credit. I've said I thought we played okay, but I I thought that the, the way Bailey was developing, I kind of don't understand why we're starting to hinder that development and then bringing one at twelve on fifty six minutes. I you know, what good's that doing for your long term ten? 
I, I, I don't think it, I don't think it necessarily hinders it. I think you can't you can't have a guy playing eighty minutes every every week. I I, I I can see why they're doing it. I think also the role the role that Cipriani's played behind the scenes is oh I'm a Cipriani fan once again. But I think also the the, the role that he's played behind the scenes, the work that he's put in. I I think I think he deserves to be. To be I think he deserves to get some game time. I'm not saying I'd have him back next season, but I think we can we can we can give him a little bit of credit for the the performances he's put in the last the last couple of weeks. Agree to disagree. I think back back to the game then, Tom and 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 yeah, it was a really disappointing sort of middle period of that second half. But but ultimately, we did manage to to draw that game, um, and yeah, to get the penalty to go twenty four all. You know, I, I thought it was you know two points obviously better than one in our in our race to 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 get above to get above Worcester. Um, lucky potentially at the end though to to get those. Before we get on to the the final pen. Would you have would you have taken the three in in that position? Were you happy with that, or would you would you have rather would you have rather gone for the corner and go for all the marbles? Yeah, it's a good question. I I think I probably would have taken the three. What there was still five minutes remaining at that point. It wasn't kind of like the last gasp. I think I would have taken the three and then tried to go back down the field and and, and get another three. But yeah, it would have been five points if we'd obviously gone to the corner, getting that four tries. Um, but yeah, you know, what would you have done? So I've been thinking a lot about this. So when when you're sitting in the stand and you're thinking, let's just not lose and let's yeah. just let's just move, let's just bank the points. I was saying I was calling for the three. I was calling for the three. Speaking to someone after the game, and he was he was saying that you know do you, as you were saying, do you go for the corner? We've we've scored a couple of our tries from from the driving ball and then from from the pick and go game with with Sam Underhill. Do you try and, and do the same and go for go for all five points? I think on on the balance of probability, maybe being purely logical, you should go for the corner. But I think there's something to be said about banking your banking potential points when they're when they're given to you. So I think I'd just just still shave the the, the guaranteed three points over the potential bottle job and um, and loss of, of 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 supporter and player morale as a result that that, that probably would let's be honest have resulted from from a kick to the corner. But ah. I don't know. It, it would it would it would feel very different if if Fafter Clerk had, had nailed that last penalty. That that is very true. Yeah, Fafter Clerk obviously missing the 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 penalty at the end. Quite a straightforward penalty, I thought it was. Um, yeah, what did you? How badly was was De Klerk getting booed at the end there? Because I know that people on social media were not very happy um, that when he was lining up that last kick, he, you know, the, the crowd weren't necessarily, and I put this in massive, um, um, what do they call them? Um, inverted well, commas. I'll caveat this massively. They respect the kicker. I mean, I think that's bollocks anyway, but were they respecting the kicker in the way that rugby thinks they should respect the kicker? Well, having been to the the Stade de France the previous week, I can tell you that it was nothing compared to the the booze that Marcus Smith was was receiving. And I agree. I think, I think, yeah, I think you play in the atmosphere of, of yeah. the away team. It's home, it's home advantage. I don't really see any any particular issue with it. And I don't. Whilst I wasn't booing, to be honest, and I was I was behind right behind the post actually on on that in that Thatcher's that just and as you know, G, I'm all about rugby values as. Uh, <laughs> 
I think there was there was a bit of there was a bit of booing, there was a bit there was a bit of jeering, but I don't think Fafta Clerk can have any complaints. I mean, you know, we can disagree over Cipriani, but one thing we'll be able to agree on that it was quite sweet to see him miss the kick and be kind of head in hands after all the gloating that he did following the 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 World Cup. It did it did it did bring some bring some satisfaction. And you know, it also feels like a bit of a bit of poetic justice given that in the reverse fixture at the AJ Bell, Orlando Bailey missed a kick um, when the clock was dead, which would have which would have won us that game. So I don't feel I don't feel too sorry for him and I don't think it was it was out of order. And also you say people are unhappy on, on social media. The the words bear and woods come into <laughs> come into mind now. Yeah, I mean you say head in hands, but yeah, I mean, I personally think he looked massively checked out throughout that whole game. And he was sort of laughing at the end of the game when he was shaking hands. I'm not sure how much he's actually... Um, yeah, I'm not sure how much he really cares about Sale Sharks rugby anymore. Uh, and, you know, Sale fans can complain that they maybe they didn't boo Bailey at the end of that game. But, you know, 10 people in a stand in the middle of nowhere can't exactly make much of a noise. So, yeah. Um, I hope we haven't got, got any sale listeners because yeah. uh, we, we certainly weren't next week. <laughs> no. Yes, Tom, any final thoughts on that game? Well, I was say, do you think draw, draw the right result? No, I think Bath, Bath should have won that game. You know, you look at the match stats on, on 70 minutes, Bath made 325 metres to sales, 129, 40, gain line success to sales, 19. I think that's a game that, that we played most of the rugby of. And, and yeah, while Sale in the end had the chance to, to win it themselves, I think that, that Bath should be really frustrated that, that they weren't able to win it. But I think these are much better problems to have than, than the problems that we were having in and around Christmas time when we would have lost this game handily. So improvement from Bath. And I think, you know, it's a, it's a real sign of that improvement that we're disappointed not to, to we're disappointed with the draw uh, against Sale. Yeah, I agree with that. I think the only, the only thing I would, I, would, I would counter with is that, you know, the Sale place kicking was very poor. They missed 10 points from the, uh, from, from the tee. And obviously with, um, what's his name? With the Prayer picking up, I think it was a dead leg or something. They had to then hand over to to um, to to to, to, to So whoever's knobbly knee or elbow it was that that collided with with Robert Dupree's leg and, and meant that he couldn't he couldn't kick those those final couple of kicks. I guess may, maybe they should get they should get man the match from a bath point of view. But on that note, I thought thought Sam Underhill was was brilliant as I mentioned. I thought Tom de Glanville is. I would say quietly starting to have a really good season, but I think he's just playing having a, a really good season now. Uh, some of them was running back with the ball was was brilliant. Josh Bayliss, you mentioned, Ewan Richards continues to to play well, and of course your two boys, Danny Cipriani and, and Nathan Hughes, who I think I think I think both both deserve a mention. So thoroughly enjoyed it. I probably think draw was roughly the right result. I think if you're a Sale fan, you you probably feel a little bit a little bit a little bit hard done by as well at the end there, but. But ultimately, you know, a few months ago, we would have taken two points, three tries, 24 points against, uh, against, against Sale, I would say. Mm. And that's a fair assessment, Tom. Those at the wreck, like yourself, were treated not just to a, a Gallagher Premiership draw, but also the women's game, which followed a big win for Bath women's 
76 points to 10 against Buckingham Swans ladies. Their final game of the season, um, which resulted in coming in third in the championship, South won, missing out on the playoffs, Tom, just on points difference. I wonder if you were able to stick around for much of this game and and, and what you made of of that and, and kind of and, and the general reaction and the feeling around the ground after the game and, and, and kind of with a, with a whole other game to, to come. That must have been, you know, a pretty fantastic way to spend an afternoon. It's really nice. I, I really like the way they, they do they do the double header. Um, I think everyone it's it's hard in a in a stadium of, of what is about fourteen thousand to to tell how many people sort of were 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 there for the the, the, the women's game that followed. Everyone kind of of congregates round into the temporary stand, obviously that gets the gets the last of the sun. But I'd estimate it was somewhere in the region of say three thousand, something mm. like that. So that stand was that stand was 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 relatively full. It wasn't that competitive a game of rugby. I think did you mention the score there? I think it ended up seventy two points to to something. So nice for a, a Bath team to to be on the the right side of a seventy plus pointer. But yeah, we 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 look good in parts. I was very very impressed with the, the Bath thirteen. Rebecca Y, who looks like a like a very a very dominant carrier, and if we we do start to run out of centres in, in in the men's team, I'm sure she'd she'd, she'd make a, a worthy replacement in that that 13 check. She she carries strongly, and to be honest, the, the the defending team couldn't really couldn't really deal with her with with ball in hand. So yeah, very strong and pleasing to see that they've obviously finished finished the season towards the top of the table. Hopefully, can push on now next season with the increased support they've got, with the seemingly increased backing from the club as well and, and and gain promotion next season. Yeah, as we stressed on earlier in the season, just just do this more. I think they've been lucky enough to, for it to coincide on on two weekends when the weather's been absolutely glorious and, and and that probably means that more more people do stick around. But yeah, it's a fantastic thing to do. And and yeah, I I, I really want to see obviously that's their season finished now, but but next season for it to, to become a, a more regular thing. Because as you say, Tom, like the you you went with your your eleven year old godson and you know Rugby, rugby at the end of the day is rugby and, and live rugby at the Rex, live rugby at the Rex. So fantastic opportunity for all people to, to kind of get more exposure to, to, to the women's game. Um, let's move on, Tom, to talk some news. And yeah, lots and lots has happened in the kind of three or four weeks that since we last got together. Um, perhaps most notably is a returning Bath legend in the form of Joe Maddock as the new attack coach. 130 appearances for Joe between 2004 and 2010 on the wing for Bath. Obviously, this is the final piece of the puzzle in Johan van Grand's coaching team. Tom, what was your initial reaction to the news that, that Joe Maddock was was coming back in in this role? Well, it was first reaction was surprised really. I, I, I don't think I'd realised that he'd he'd gone into coaching and and had had the experience he he has. You know, training up at Crusaders in in Canterbury, obviously a fantastic club there, and then also spending time in in Japan. I kind of thought he was he was one of those guys that had had a brilliant career, and let's let's put it right, he did have a brilliant career mm. at Bath. Growing up, one of my favourite players to watch. I think even in a in an earlier. I mean, listen back, listen back, Gio, over the next week. But I think even in an earlier season, maybe even season one of this this podcast, we did a we did a little Q and A, the, the the three of us at that point. And I think I might have even said that Joe Maddock was one of my favourite players at, at that point because I just remember him tearing it down the right wing. He was a prolific try scorer. I'm pretty sure he was towards the top end of 
of Premiership try scorers in towards the back end of his his career in the late 2000s. So fantastic player. You know, obviously he knows the the city and the club really well. So he'll be moving back with his with his family to to Bath, and he's spoken about how how excited he is to kind of continue life in in Bath. And if if he can can get the attack ticking like like he used to he used to do from from his position out on the wing, then I think it will be I think it obviously will be in 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 uh, in, in store very special in prospect of something very very special. The only thing I would say is you know. We've 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 been through a fair few attack coaches now, and each time we've we've been ultimately a little bit a little bit disappointed and and left promised a playbook of dreams. For example, in the case of of, of, of Gervin Dempsey, David Williams as well, promised great things, and we've we've been let down every time. So I'm not going to get not going to get carried away, but I imagine Jurgen van Grams obviously had um, had 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 an influence on this, and and rates rates Maddock as a as a coach and has been in contact with him. So. Hopefully he he, uh, he he has he has he has he has great success and and um, and comes across and gets that gets that attack ticking. Do you think the attack has looked markedly better since David Williams left and Ryan Davis kind of took over? And do you think we're maybe letting Ryan Davis out the door and and, and maybe we had the attacking genius that we were promised always on the coaching staff? <laughs> um. It's very, very difficult. No, it does to look say. better. It does look better. You could equally say that, that that David Williams kind of laid the the foundations in kind of a Stuart Lancaster, Eddie Jones type <laughs> analogy that 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 Ryan Davis is now is now fully fully taking advantage of. It seems difficult to say. I think obviously the the fact that we're starting to get a better run of results, the fact that Orlando Bailey has has started to to gain some experience and, and find his form. The fact that Danny Cipriani's tearing up trees, as as you put it to me privately, is 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 I think contributing perhaps more to to to, to why our attack's starting to tick a little bit more. What are your thoughts on any thoughts on Joe Maddock? I privately messaged you that I think Danny Cipriani's tearing up trees. <laughs> I, I I think Ryan Davis certainly seems to have got a little bit of a tune out of it. You know, maybe David Williams in in kind of I loosened the the lid of the jar way, uh, kind of laid the foundations for for Ryan Davis. But yeah, I'm I, I mean I'm slightly wary to be honest, Tom of 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 another former player. You know, would yeah. Joe Maddock get the role if he hadn't played 130 times for Bath? And do we want? the best guy, no matter who he's previously played for, probably. So, yeah, as much as I really, really want it to be a success, clearly, I'm always slightly nervous when you're getting someone with a past history at the club and kind of, are we necessarily doing it because he's the best man for the job? Only time will tell. And, and, and yeah, he's obviously got experience being a head coach and, 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 and being a backers coach in successful, successful teams. So, so that can only help. But, but yeah, yeah. I think time will tell on, on the Joe Maddock appointment. I, I love the beard, though. He, look, he looks good in the beard. Lovely beard. Lovely, lovely, lovely thick beard. And I think we should say as well, unlike you know, a, certain, a certain former player who's obviously been involved, Joe Maddock has gone away you know, built up a, a bit of a CV with one of the best club teams in the world. So I think we should we should give him a, we should give him a, a clean slate and not not necessarily paint him with that 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 particular brush um, and see where he gets on. But yeah, I, I've got a, a healthy dose of skepticism skepticism as well, G for 
for the exact reasons you you outline, and also because of the the recent turnover of attack coaches that we mm-hmm. we seem to have seen. Tom, plenty of new signings that that Joe Manick will be able to get his hands on over the course of the summer. Um, all of these kind of come out gradually over the course of the past sort of few weeks. Um, so why don't I kind of list them off? Um, so we've got Niall Annett, the hooker who joins from from Worcester, Matt Gallagher coming from Munster, the fullback, Wesley White, uh, back rower from Jersey, and Louis Schroeder, a scrum half, who comes from Newcastle. Now, Tom, privately, you did message me. <laughs> so we had a number of thoughts on Niall Annett. So um, the floor is yours. Well, none of that I can do. So he's a hooker. So we've got that right now. He's he's, a, he's he's been at Worcester Warriors for 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 a number of seasons. Originally from Ulster, and and actually, um, I have spoke to you about this previously. I have kind of I've always been impressed with him. Strong ball carrier, strong scrum hat. Um, I think I think he's yeah. He, he seems he seems like a solid operator. I mean, I've, the only slight question is that obviously we've got Tom Dunn as our kind of our kind of first choice guy, even though he's not been um, he's not been involved too much this season. Jack DeToy, I think, is having 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 a pretty good season and is is a is a fairly solid guy in that that hooker shirt. And then obviously Tom Doherty, the young guy who's who's graduated from the academy. So I guess the question is where will Anna fit in? Does this kind of mean that that we don't expect DeToy to continue beyond this season? You know. Uh, I don't know. I think Annette's shown himself to be, a, you know, a, a decent club player, and I think he'd, he'd probably slot into that number two kind of not number two, obviously the number two shirt, but the the second berth behind behind Tom Dunn. So yeah, perhaps expect him to be Jacques Detroit's replacement, and I think it's a solid one. You know, Premiership experience, um, experience of you know playing in different parts of of of, of Europe, and um, and uh, yeah, solid player. So am I off the hook now? <laughs> yeah, you're off the Nile hook. Um, I'll, I'll kind of maybe touch on Tom on the other three then, Tom. And I think in the other three, you can really see the the Johan van Grand influence in in all three of them. I think that's the most important thing to take. Matt Gallagher, who previously played at Saracens, is now at Munster, obviously working under Van Grand and Ferreira, who will be coming be coming over. Louis Schroeder, the scrum half. Who, who, who I've been really impressed with everyone I've watched whenever I've watched him play for Newcastle is another South African been in a South African match day squad on on 19 separate occasions so yeah huge amount of experience and you know a, a key position in, in which we've struggled to back up Ben Spencer so so maybe Schroeder is the other one and then Wesley White Tom who yeah, is is almost certainly the the least well known of these three signings, but is the son of former Springboks coach Jake White, World Cup winning Springboks coach Jake White, and obviously the link there with Van Gran is is pretty obvious. Wesley White's been been playing in in South Africa. He's played in the USA. He's played in France. Only at the age of twenty six. So, yeah, I, I think we can clearly see in all three of those signings, Tom the influence that, that Van Gran is already having, which is which is exactly what we want. Uh, and yeah, I, I think probably all four of them we would currently consider as uh, to be fringe players. Um, but yeah, it's great to see Van Gran bolstering the squad with, with players that, that he, he either knows or or or, or knows knows the quality of through 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 the contacts that he's got in the game. So yeah, I think 
yeah, that you know, they're not the marquee signings that that Van Graham will probably bring with him, but they're they're they're, they're good squad depth, and and yeah, they'll, they'll obviously affect some of the players currently on 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 the on the fringes of the team. Ollie Fox, uh, Max Green, Darren Atkins, three names that just spring to mind to me are, are guys that are potentially going to be affected affected by this. One guy who is not quite on the fringes of the squad, but but certainly won't be part of Van Grand's plans next season, Tom, is Max Clark. It was announced a couple of weeks ago that he would be leaving the club after a 13-year association with the club. Do you think he, he kind of ever fulfilled the, the potential that, that, that he maybe showed at an earlier stage of, of his career now, now that it's, it's announced that he's leaving? I don't think so. I think it, when I think of Max Clark, I always think back to what would, would the season have been? 2016, maybe 2015, around then, when he played the, the first game of the season, scored two, scored a brace of cracking tries from from outside centre. Really, really dynamic. Um, you know, I think it, it looked really, really dangerous with with ball in hands. He then had another storm, I think, in the second game of the season, and picked up an injury for four or five months. And that really hampered his his progress that season. And I feel like that's that's really been the the story of his his career a bit. He's shown glimpses of what he can do. He's clearly a very very talented player with 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 ball in hand and when he's when he's when he's got his confidence up. But I think a combination of not getting regular game time through you know other players being ahead of him or through being being injured and and being in kind of rehab and recovery and, and not quite maybe in full fitness out on the pitch. Coupled with maybe some some defensive frailties at times that I think have been have, have made it difficult for him to cement his 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 place in the, the starting fifteen. I think maybe have 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 have, have come, come sort of um, all combined against him. But yeah, I don't think he's, he's he's fully reached his potential. And I think now is probably the right time for him to move. As you mentioned, you know, he joined the club in the academy age or in the the, the junior team age thirteen. We've now got a very, very good crop of of young centres: Cam Redpath, Max Joma, obviously Jonathan Joseph, looking to be looking to be hanging around as well. So it's going to be difficult for for him to get regular game time going forwards. And you know, hopefully, with the with the states that the, the the Dragons and other Welsh regions are in from a from a club perspective, he should go and get some fairly regular regular rugby across across the bridge. So yeah. Sorry to see him leave because I feel like he's become part of the furniture really from a from a Bath point of view, and I will miss those sort of those long locks streaking around rather hectically in the in the outside thirteen channel. But I think yeah, I think maybe from from both parties' point of view, it's probably probably the right decision at the right time. It's funny you say that about his game. I always thought kind of when he was when he was younger coming through, the reputation that he had was as kind of a real attacking threat, quick, strong ball carrier. But I think as his career has kind of developed now and he's got a little bit older, I, I kind of feel like that's almost left his game. And and I actually think personally that his defence has, has really improved the last few seasons. And I almost see him as kind of a, a, a more of a defensive defensive option in the centres. And yeah, I think it's it's a shame to see him go, but I, I kind of think, yeah, that there's guys that, that are going to be wanting game time. Jordan Venter's another one that, that you didn't mention. And from his perspective, he must be watching the Six Nations, watching Wales 
Six Nations, uh, watching Wales's centre partnership and think he's, he, he's got a genuine opportunity to to get into that squad. Obviously, born in Bridge End, so yeah, I think it's a great move for from his from from a career point of view. If he if he does have you know aspirations, which he must do to to play for Wales. Good point, actually. Like, he's better than he's probably better than Nick Tompkins, isn't he, or George North? So. Reese Priestling got a got a, a shot, didn't he? Soon after he, he he chose to go back to Wales from from Bath, so maybe maybe Max Clark will will follow suit. I'd love to see him. Love to see him get an international cap. Yeah, it'd be, yeah, it'd be great for him. Obviously, Tom, one guy who is going to be sticking around um, is a guy that's joined at the start of the season, Richard Carpentier, who is uh, another of our sevens um, converts. He joined at the start of this season, has played 10 appearances in, in the back row and, 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 and some in the second row. A, a versatile player, Tom, one that we're hoping to develop more. I know, I know you've got a, you know, a number of thoughts on, on this one. You're really setting me up, aren't you? A few weeks off and you're, you're making me, you're making me, um, you're making me earn my place back on, back on the podcast. And I, I, I expect nothing less, but... Yeah, if anyone's still listening at this point, then uh, here, are my, here are my detailed thoughts on that. No, I think he, he's obviously not quite made quite the splash that our other two sevens recruits had. I think when he, when he came in at the, the start of the season, we were obviously ravaged with injury in that back row department. And I think there are a number of occasions where he stood up with very minimal sevens experience, uh, 15s experience, sorry. So I think, uh, yeah, I, I was impressed with him in the early part of the season. Obviously, since then, he's he's struggled with injuries. And then more recently, um, with, with the second row injuries that we've had, he's kind of been pushed into that position, which he's, he's, he's practically no experience of doing. So he's possibly not had it had it all gone his own way. But by all accounts, he seems to be, you know, a good trainer. Um, no surprise with the sevens background. Well-liked by, by a lot of the players. Obviously, he probably knows Will Muir and, and, and Big Mac very well so yeah I think again he'll be a, a useful guy to have in in sort of that 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 that, that fringe kind of squad player um, potentially pushing for you know regular regular place on the bench with the kind of the versatility that he's he's developing Is there anything that I can throw to you that you wouldn't be able to give me you know a little minutes full of little nuggets Tom great stuff great to have you back on the podcast one three players Tom that won't be hoping to be employing fringe positions will be hoping to have much bigger roles in years to come for for Bath and I promise I won't throw throw any of uh, you under the bus with any of these three but three of the academy guys have signed uh, further contract extensions with the club um, number eight, Nayan Merrigan, who we've seen feature a little bit this season. Back rower, Frankie Reed, uh, and, and fly half slash fullback, George Warboys, who's who's been absolutely tearing up for for Bath Uni in the, in the Bucks competition. Tom, we we've seen the success that guys coming through the academy have had over the last couple of seasons. So hopefully these guys can follow suit, and perhaps Tom, we will see them feature in some of the games to come. Um, two games for Bath this week as we now look ahead in this mammoth podcast. Good to be back. Uh, and Tom, you're going down to the wreck again, I believe, on Wednesday. Do you do any work? I'm not sure. To watch Bath take on Worcester. I hope you haven't booked your train ticket because... Worcester, Worcester, couldn't, Worcester couldn't field a side wow. against Gloucester last Friday and they're expected to go again on Wednesday and then again on Saturday. We'll come on to them and their, their antics against Gloucester. But, but yeah, I kind of, 
maybe you think this game is is a little bit in doubt. Train tickets booked. I think they're called advanced singles, so no 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 refunds to be had. So we'll be we'll be heading down to to Bath. Come. Come Worcester or, or no Worcester, I think that was a that was a strange one, wasn't it? Against against Gloucester. I mean, I don't you. It wasn't wasn't just COVID, was it? You were saying so. Well, yeah, um, they, they, they reckon they had eighteen players fit. Um, so you know, if they got eighteen players fit on Friday, then and they got in the game next weekend, then you know, I can't imagine they're gonna have loads back for. For this for this week, I'm, I'm yeah. not sure how that's going to go. Does that, include, does that include their full academy though, or is that just yeah? They got kind of... 34 out or something. Bloody hell! Yeah. So Bro, Steve Diamond might have to um, might have to dust off the, the the rugby boots and get involved. If he's anything like Will Greenwood, he'll he'll probably have a probably have a pair in, in the boot of his car, um, and he can he can earn his keep because he's uh, he's not coming and 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 hit the ground running as, as perhaps he might have liked. Looking at it from a Bath perspective then, Tom, and I think we actually did miss a game um, of Bath Rugby reviewing it. So, so yeah. maybe, we, maybe we don't talk too much about the 61-19 defeat to, to Bristol a couple of Fridays ago in this competition. But what do you think Bath can, can get out of, uh, of this game and, and from the Premiership Rugby Cup in general? Because clearly, with the game being played on Wednesday, sandwiched between two weekends of, of, of actual Premiership Rugby, the Premiership Rugby Cup is not is not for the senior players. It's for the guys like Warboys and Merrigan and Frankie Reed that we mentioned there to get that experience and, and get that game time in in a world without the the A League. Precisely, I think that's been the the you know the issue with the Premiership Rugby Cup this season is that without the the sort of Bath United games and obviously the you know much of an, an academy season as well. Teams have kind of used it to, to suit different needs. So we've obviously chosen to, 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 to use it, as you suggest, just to, to bring in young guys, to develop academy guys, to give them a, a taste of, of what it is to play kind of men's, in inverted commas, full, full rugby. Other teams that we've faced, I mean, you know, you, meant, you mentioned Bristol, and as far as I'm concerned, I don't want to sound like sort of Christian Horner for those that are kind of trying to survive Formula One fans, but it's a hollow victory for, for, for Bristol because... They're putting out, you know, Dave Atwood, obviously ex-Bath, and now, now getting his pension at Bristol. Jake Armstrong, Daniel Thomas, Rich Eady, uh, Mitch Eady, Piers O'Connor. Experienced guys and guys that are coming back from injury. And so I think teams like Bristol, teams like Gloucester, who obviously put, put a number put 70 points on us or something, they're using it as, as kind of an opportunity to, to, to give guys in the first team game time if they haven't had it or to get guys back who picked up niggles. So... It very much comes down to, to respective team selections. From a Bath point of view, I'm very happy for, for them to kind of to, to continue what, what what they've been doing, putting out putting out these these younger guys. I mean, Neil Merrigan's guy that's featured, I think, in every single Premiership Rugby Cup game that we've we played so far. Jordan Venter, a guy that's just I think made his debut, didn't he, against against Bristol in that game. So yeah, just continue to to get the young and, and experienced guys out and and use it as a as a springboard for for guys like you and Richards this season and, and more likely to push on to the first team. Mm. Yeah, I hope it does go ahead for for exactly that reason. But 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 obviously wait and see on that one. Being Monday night as as we record, there you know we should be expecting an announcement from from Worcester pretty soon. Yeah, I, I, I've been on the podcast for a few weeks, so. Forgive me for getting a few Bristol digs in 
uh, <laughs> yeah those playing bathroom we plug bingo have just crossed off their their final their final one for you tom uh, another west country derby it feels like we've got west country derbies almost every other week at the moment with the with the, with the way the the premiership is but but a proper one on saturday tom as we we turn our attention to to more slightly more important matters at hand bath down to sandy park against exeter now with that worcester game cancelled i don't think they've had the official announcement on the on the kind of where the points will go, etc. But you know, you'd have to assume that Worcester will be getting hopefully no points. That leaves the table, both from a Bath point of view and an Exeter point of view, extremely, extremely tight. Bath finding themselves on 27 points from 19 played, Newcastle on 27 points from 19 played, and then Worcester on 30 points from 19 played. From that perspective, Tom, this for Bath is an absolutely massive game. And then if you turn your attention to the extra Chiefs, who currently sit in fourth place, they're only four points ahead of London Irish, who currently sit in, a, in eighth place. Um, so yeah, it's, it's incredibly tight, the, the Premiership, in, in kind of two different sections of the Premiership, at which these two teams are, are kind of right in that mix, Tom. Um, yeah, an opportunity to, for Bath, you think, to, to build on what's been a relatively successful 2022, um, albeit at a place we've, we seem to have had almost no success at over, over the last few years. Yeah, I think you've you've summarised it really nicely there. You know, obviously top four now being the only the only thing to play for in the Premiership with 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 ring fencing and extra. I think who are a game ahead, I believe, of their their, their rivals below. So only them and and, and Leicester Tigers on twenty games um, sail below them with nine on nineteen games. Gloucester only on eighteen, so two games in hand from a from a from a Gloucester point of view, um, and only three points behind Exeter. So. Exeter have been mid-table for for most of this season. I think they've 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 really struggled. They've they've not found their form. A combination of teams, I think, starting to work out their strategy a bit. Obviously, the law the law changes that we've discussed previously have, have have hindered them as well. And if you look at the the fixture back at back at the wreck earlier on in the season, where you know I think it was November the twenty sixth, where we were playing nowhere near the stuff that the the quality of rugby that we're that we're playing now. It took extra, I think, was it to the 74th minute to, to, to get ahead of us and to, to close out the game with, with that very late Sam Simmons, try, Sam Simmons try under the post. So I think we can, you know, the record at Sandy Park's very, very poor, but I think we can, we can you know, with the momentum we've got, we can, we can fancy our chances in this, this, this game a bit. So, you know, if you'd asked me a few months ago, I would have thought, yeah, we're going to get mauled, we're going to get bullied. But I think... We showed against Sale that we we can be pretty hard nosed when when we want to. I think Sam Underhill was as as is, is getting back to his best now and adds so much to that team. Not only with his carrying game, but also with the jackling and the the turnover ball that that he that he creates. So yeah, I think you know we can go into this and go across the sunny part with with a quiet air of confidence about us. Which is not something that I I thought I'd be saying with extra in, in fourth and us us kind of you know in a basement battle. <laughs> yeah, uh, you know, not not to forget, Tom, we are still bottom bottom of the table. I I really do admire your your optimism. I think I think the bookies have it around a fourteen point margin, and and yeah, I think that's probably unfortunately about right. I I still think despite extra struggles, and I watched their game against 
Leicester Tigers on on Sunday. What what was a really interesting contest, and and, and Leicester dominated large large swathes of that game. But I do think. I do think Exeter is still the better side than us. And, and, and for them, looking at the table as it is, this is an absolute must-win game. Um, and yeah, as much as I'd like to see us build on, on, on what's been a good year, I think if we can get anything from this game, I think that'll be a, a, massive, a, a, a massive step forward and, and a massive um, boost towards hopefully getting off the bottom of the table. And, and as I stated earlier in the podcast, Tom, as I, as I look at team selection, I really would want to see Orlando Bailey starting this game back back at fly half. Um, I, I'd be really, really disappointed if, if he wasn't starting. I think it's a, he's, he's had a couple of weeks on the bench now. And, and, and yeah, I think he needs to be given that, that 10 shirt for, for the remainder of the season. So yeah, I, I think clearly more optimistic than, than I may have been, but, but yeah, I'm not quite ready to say that we're going to go down to Sandy park and, and turn these over. Um, I think if we are able to do it clearly when you play Exeter, even now, despite the law changes in there, slightly weaker run of form, Tom, that the key is always in, in, in that discipline, in that middle third, and, and not not letting them get easy into our ins to our twenty two and, and and get onto our line. You know they're absolutely masters of controlling that middle section of the field, not not kind of giving anything stupid away and and, and forcing the opposition into mistakes there. So so our discipline, which which is, has been let's not forget appalling this season we'll have to be much better uh, and we'll have to manage the game a lot better if, if, if we're going to get if we're going to get anything from, from from the contest yeah I think they would have they would have put us put us away a little bit more handily in that first that first quarter when we were we were down to 14 men against Sale than mm. than, than Sale were able to do and you know it wasn't long ago in the the Boxing Day fixture against against Gloucester when we saw that when we are on the end of a very powerful, very well-organised driving mall, with the mall defence that we've we've got, and it's practically non-existent as we've seen, things can get very, very nasty very quickly. So, um, yeah, I'd be, look, I'd be looking to compete in those lineouts. I'd be looking to be ultra-aggressive, um, sacking the mall and, and trying to take that, that, that weapon away from them as, as, as much as possible. Fingers crossed, though, for this one, Tom. Do I sense that you're you're predicting victory on this one? Back with a bang. I just fancy it. You know, I think I was trying to, I was trying to work it out just then as you were as you were obviously giving you know your 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 very interesting thoughts on on the game. But I think if you were to look at the the table this calendar year, I think we'd actually find ourselves in in a relatively handy position. So, someone with some some, some time on their hands over the next few few days. Um, Work that out, and I think I think we'll we'll probably be finding ourselves in 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 not bad shape. So the form book is isn't isn't quite as against us as the the, the full table suggests. But even when we've been playing some of our best stuff, you know, particularly over the course of this podcast, we've always found Sandy Parker an extremely difficult place to go. So yeah, I, I, don't, I just don't think they match up too well against against what we do badly at that that more defence in particular so yeah I imagine I imagine you know even without Cowan Dickey at the back anchoring that that mall I, st- I still fancy them to, to to have their chances and 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 I think one area maybe that we might be able to get the better of them and, and this is an area they mass they struggled in against um 
against Leicester was was at scrum time, and I think that's been an area that they they've really struggled at all season, giving scrum pens away. So, so if, if Stewart can get back into that tight head shirt, I think that would be huge, and, and and maybe that's an area that that, that we might be able to exploit. Fingers crossed for that one, Tom. Um, nearly nearly through all of our points on the agenda, Tom. Really enjoyed being back with you. Now, when you were away, Andrew, um, we discussed with Andrew coming up with a, a, a little check-in for, 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 for um, Munster, who have become all of our second favourite teams after the news that Johan van Graan and JP Ferreira would be joining as, as, as head coach and defence coach of Bath at the end of the season. Andrew, you know, his parting gift was the incredible Munster Munch. Uh, and Tom, this week it's been your task to check in with Munster and let the listeners know just how they, they got on this week and, and what's on the horizon for them. I have. I very much appreciated the the artistic input from from Andrew, and you know I think it should be known as the the Munster Munch TM Andrew Muldoon because he he their credit certainly certainly goes to to him on that. I've come up with Victor Scale G, so we're still waiting for some some innovation from you on the podcast for a change. <laughs> but yeah, the the Munster the, the Munster Munch this week, so a resounding victory on on, on Friday night at Toman Park against Benetton Rugby in, in, in the URC. And, and those who have been saying that uh, teams can't score tries under under Johan van Graan, well, they're eating their words because it was a 51-22 victory for Munster, who, who currently sit third in the table, nine wins from, from, from 14. Benetton languishing in, in fourth bottom. So I want to say languishing sort of a bit, bit higher than us in... Um, in, in in the Premiership, but they're, they're they've been struggling. Only four wins this season from 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 thirteen. In terms of in terms of selection, it was a return to action, starting at fullback for Matt Gallagher, who he mentioned, and he ran in a try. So he'll be he'll be um, he'll be full of confidence and, and looking forward to to coming over to the wreck. And more importantly, I think, and not a guy that we've we've signed or mentioned actually too recently, but Damien Dialonde, who was widely spoken about moving potentially to the wreck. He, after three months out with injury, started to make his return. So he made his, his return off the bench uh, on March the 12th and has, has subsequently played two full games. So he also scored a try towards the end of the game. So hopefully he's, he's getting back to, to, to some form as well and potentially we'll, we'll be hearing, hearing about him as we go on. It's been a bit more than the munch this, hasn't it? It's been a bit of a... <laughs> bit of a, bit of a Months to full meal as we get into the as we get into the the second hour of the podcast. <laughs> um, just looking ahead for Munster, finally, and this this is this kind of where it gets a bit more interesting. So a very um, important block of games coming up. So they host Leinster on I think that's a Friday night game as well at Toman Park. Um, Leinster sitting in in top spots in the URC, albeit none of the the internationals really get much of a run out in, in, in that competition. And then they have a double header against Exeter, who are obviously uh, the team that will be playing this weekend. So uh, championship double header, first at Sandy Park and then hosting the following week. So it'll be interesting to see how they match up against Exeter compared to, compared to Bath and what tactics maybe Johan van Grand employs um, compared to, compared to, to, to Neil Hatley and others. So, yeah, that's the that's the monster munch for for this week, um, and we'll be we'll be tracking them closely as they head into this tough block of games. 
We absolutely will be tracking them closely, like we'll be tracking the boys in blue, black and white closely as they go into a double header week. Not often you get two Bath rugby games in a week. So, yeah, enjoy the rugby. Thank you so much for listening. Apologies, of course, for the slight break that we we took. Um, but, yeah, hopefully back with a bang, back with a bumper episode I think that's pretty much got you caught up with all things blue, black and white. As I said at the start of the podcast, please do hit subscribe in your podcast feed and we'll get your podcast straight to your device. We'll be back next week with more blue, black and white ramblings, more thick to scales, more monster munching. So we uh, didn't do the thick to scale. Let's tease the thick to scale to, to, to next week. Um, yeah. Thank you for listening, Thomas. Absolutely fabulous to have you back on the podcast and stick behind the boys through thick and thin. <laughs>